I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of Tick Splits? Who? Tick Splits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TixBlitz.com today. TixSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TixSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. of Halitech Hall. Good morning, Mr. Halitech. How are you, sir? Good morning, Double A. It's great to be on after a great victory on Monday Night Football versus the Washington Redskins. How have you been? I've been good, man. You know, uh, two and one is a whole lot better than one and two. And uh, I think uh, every, you know, the arrow is pointing up uh, in all phases for this team. Uh, are there things that uh, need work? Of course. But uh, I'm happy with where we're at, and uh, you know it's funny we're 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 not really in much of a different place than we were last year. So uh, I think uh, people that that uh, anybody that wants to be upset about that Redskins game, I I think you're just looking for reasons to be negative, as far as I'm concerned. Two and one, exactly where we were last year at this point after after losing to Green Bay on opening day and then winning their next two. The Bears actually won their next three last year uh, before they ended up losing two straight. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're in a good spot. Um, yeah, the arrows are definitely pointing in the right direction. They obviously have to keep those arrows, arrows pointed in the right direction this Sunday, but uh, before we get into uh, the the Minnesota game, and there's this has just got so many huge implications in it. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Monday night's game because it was uh, it was fun to watch right from the very beginning. The uh, the Bears came out and you know they had a nice drive going. It faltered. Uh, they ended up with with 20 25 yards. I think uh, Trubisky got sacked right at the end, which forced a punt. Uh, you know, they, they only had two drives in the first quarter. Uh, but in the second quarter, they finally, they finally lit it up a little bit. They found, they found some passing games uh, that worked with some short passes. We've been dying to hear, see the, the Bears use the middle of the field with some crossing patterns and some, some slants, and that's exactly what we found. Uh, the one thing, if you want to, you know, we, we want to talk about negatives. And like we mentioned on on uh, our Twitter feed, that there was some good, there was some bad, and, and, of course, there was some ugly, like there is in just about every game. But they finally found a rhythm, and uh, Taylor Gabriel, who'd been very little used in the first two games, all of a sudden broke out in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. Um they simplified things. Um, they 
took what the defense gave them. They cut down on a lot of the formations, uh, which I think were uh, not not just uh, confusing Mitch, but they were confusing everybody. Um, you know, <laughs> the fans, the receivers, the offensive line. I think everybody was just not. Uh, on the same page with all these formations and personnel groupings that they were using. So they cut it down um, and there's no, no shame in that. You know, um, I think that the biggest takeaway from that I have from this game is that Nagy put together a really solid game plan um, that, you know, did accomplish a couple of things. It, it got the offense back in rhythm. It got Mitch uh, completing passes. Sure, there were short passes, dink and dunks, but so what? I mean, that's, you know, that's fine. Um, there's no problem with that. That's, you know, that's almost like an extension of the running game. You move the ball, you, you know, uh, move the pocket, you get Mitch out on the run where he's very comfortable. And then the biggest thing I think that they did um, is they they went quick. They went no huddle, um, which absolutely was a game changer. Mitch is much more comfortable. Every time they go quick, Mitch is much more comfortable, period. And then the other thing that it allows them to do, which is the same thing that Sean McVay does with Jared Goff, is they get up to the line quicker, and they have almost you know half to three-quarters of the play clock for Nagy to talk to Mitch and McVeigh talks to Goff, you know, and and he basically uses his eyes as the quarterback's eyes and tells him, okay, here's what they're in, here's what you're looking at, here's what your check is, you know, like, and that's fine, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, and I think at the end of the day, I think what fans sort of forget in this in this uh, sort of fervor for for Mitch to take this perceived next step or, you know, win, you know, be in the arms race with Mahomes and Watson or whatever the case may be, is that we got to win games. So whatever, whatever it takes to win games, I don't care if they decide to put Corderell Patterson in at quarterback, if they win the games, Um, you know, it, it does not matter to me what formations they run or, you know, who gets what carries. It's not fantasy football. It's real football. And, at the end of the day, you know, they 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 did well. Sure, it's against the Redskins. Sure, they're not a great defense. But they did have more players back than played against the Eagles and the Cowboys. Um, and what I think is funny is that, and I think you mentioned this on Twitter as well, is that for the Eagles and the Cowboys, this wasn't a trash victory. It was a it was a it was a good victory, and and everyone was lauding Dak Prescott and and uh, Carson Wentz. But for the Bears, this was a trash victory, and it was just the Redskins. And, you know, you even had people on Twitter, you know, the, the, the guy whose name we're not going to mention on this show, you know, talking about HaHa Clinton Dix's uh, two interceptions as being cheap somehow because they came off of Case Keen. I mean, just, you know, everybody continues to find reasons to denigrate when the Bears do well. And it's just, you know, it's just noise. I mean, I've, I'm happy with that victory. You know, sure, it got a little uncomfortable there for a minute, but the NFL is kind of like the NBA where everybody makes a run in the second half. It just seems like no matter what, I mean, if you watch any of that Ravens-Chiefs game, you would think that the Chiefs were just dominating them, but then all of a sudden – Look at that. The score is close, you know, and that that game was a game. 
um, you know, down to the down to the, you know, it's like there are not really these insane blowouts, you know, that happen that often. So, you know, yeah, there was a couple uh, tense moments, but the defense came up, the offense went into a nice four minute drill and, um, you know, we got some momentum for for the uh, for the offensive line, some momentum for David Montgomery. I mean, Cornelius Lucas stepped in and and had at least a workmanlike performance on a you know unexpected absence of uh, of uh, Bobby Massey. So you know, I mean, it again, if you're feeling uh, bad about things right now, I, I I don't know what to tell you. I just think you you know you're probably a negative person. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, boy, we have a lot of negative uh, people we can talk about uh, out on Bears Twitter. Uh, yeah. A guy, a guy I actually respect, uh, and, and we're never going to name names here and poke fun or, or badmouth anybody on this show, unlike some of the other podcasts that are out there. But uh, one guy who I respect absolutely tore into Nagy uh, on the the ill-fated throw that Trubisky ended up throwing softly and ended up getting picked on the pass to the, to the, uh, uh, on the out pattern to Robinson that ended up getting picked off and, and just ranting and raving how that should have been a run. And, you know, you don't want to, you don't, this is not the time to pad the ego of Mitch Trubisky. And it's like, it was from six yards out. What, why wasn't he bitching about the two one yard passes? To, right. to to Gabriel earlier in the game, mm-hmm. uh, you know, long and short of it, Robinson was open. If you take a look and go back, guys and ladies who listen to our podcast, and we thank each and every one of you, it, subscribe to NFL Game Time. It is absolutely a blessing because they have an all 22. They have a condensed version, so you can go back and read play plays over and over again to find out exactly what's going on during the entire play. Look at that play. It looked like a pass from, from the get-go. It, but in the, in the Washington Redskins line just came in like a, a house on fire against Trubisky. Trubisky could not step into his throw. So the throw didn't have enough gas on it to get over the head of defensive back. Defensive back made a good play on it. He leaped, he caught it, he fell to the ground. They, 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 you know, they tackled him, and and that was a big turning point in the game. No questions asked. But the run hadn't been working at that point. The run they they hadn't been using the run significantly. They didn't use the run pretty much at all until that last four minute drive that you talked about earlier, uh, just a few minutes ago. So the play was there. The play was there. It just didn't execute. But when you take let's let's take a look at the at Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky, 25 completions on 31 attempts. His yards weren't there because, as we mentioned, he threw a lot of short passes. But he had three TDs. He had one pass intercepted. He had a QB rating of a, over 116. That's a pretty damn – I don't care who you are. That's that's even a pretty damn good game for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers hasn't had a game like this yet, this year. He hasn't had a game like this this year. This is exactly – I mean, listen to this, okay? 26 
of 30 for 269 yards, three TDs, and one interception. That sounds pretty damn close to what Trubisky did, right? Mm -hmm. That was Dak Prescott's game against the Redskins just the week before. I mean, absolutely, with within a couple of yards in a, in a completion, the exact same statistics. And and what were the press saying about Prescott after that game? They were saying, "Oh man, he's earned his keep. Pay him the money. Get him his contract. Yeah, blah 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 blah." Yep. Did they beat um, the Eagles? Beat Washington uh, in Week One, and you know. The, all the press was Wentz is back, yay, yay, yay. His his game was pretty damn similar. Mm-hmm. When Pres, when Prescott had his game against Washington, it was pay him the money. And when Trubisky had the game against Washington on Monday night, what was the talk around the internet? The Bears beat a bad team. This is a team that had mid- missing two of their starting defensive players a defensive tackle and a quarterback that came back for the game against the Bears. So they beat them by 15 points. They should have beat them by more. It should have been an easy 41 to 12 game, whatever the case may be. Um, You know, I I was, it was disappointing to to see the Bears play so softly. Somebody on, on Bears Twitter tweeted out, and this was a great tweet, and I wish I remembered the name of the person who, who put it out there. And they said, I'd rather see the Bears continue to play hard and put in their second, a lot of their second stringers in the second half when they were up by 25 points than to play soft and let them run up a bunch of yards and ultimately make the game as close as it was. That was a great tweet. That was a great tweet. And that's exactly how I feel about the game. Yeah, I mean, a couple things I would say. One is that Mitch in the press conference did admit that he made the wrong choice on that throw to Robinson, that he decided to throw a back shoulder instead of a fade. Um, The only problem I had with his uh, decision there was that he stared Robinson down again the whole time, and that that was my issue with it. Um, I don't have any issue with them throwing that ball there. I think it was fine. Um, I just think he made the wrong choice and he had a do or die choice right there because the rush was coming and he chose to throw a back shoulder and Allen Robinson was running and was open for the fade. And yeah, it's bad. And what the worst part about it is that as we continue to, to do this, you know, Mitch, uh, versus the everybody PR campaign, um, you know, it's it it tends to one mistake like that can wipe away everything else. And, you know, it's it's so ridiculous because, I mean, people will actually say, well, he just got set up by the defense. It's like the defense is on the team. <laughs> like, I don't understand this. You know, I mean, Mitch can't help it. It's like so Mitch has to start from the 10 and have a 90 yard drive and they have to throw the ball six times and run the ball six times. And there has to be, you know, um, no no pass plays that have too much yards after catch. I mean, the, the, the criteria for what people perceive as success for Mitch Trubisky is just completely different than it is for everybody else. It's like he's got this super tight window where he can get 
any type of acceptance as being a quality quarterback. And the same thing goes for the Bears because, you know, you look at quarterbacks right now in the league. Case Keenum is third in the league in passing touchdowns. He has seven. Mahomes has ten. Case Keenum is not some bum. Case Keenum scored a good amount of points against the Eagles and the, the Cowboys. Uh, Case Keenum found Terry McLaurin against what are supposed to be two of the other best defenses in the league in the Eagles and the Cowboys. And yet here the Bears are getting ripped for giving up yards against Case Keenum. I agree with you that they went into somewhat of a prevent or a soft and off kind of thing. Um, and I don't necessarily understand it 100%. Um, but I think all defensive coordinators, to some extent, you know, go with uh, somewhat of a conservative, uh, you know, way of doing things with the lead. Um, again, I don't like it necessarily, but what you don't want to have happen is you don't want to give up, you know, big plays on slants or big plays, you know, um, and, and, you know, they were going quick against us, you know, which is, which is the way to beat us. Um, you know, the, the defense, you know, got five turnovers. It's hard to find a lot of issues with how they played. And Khalil Mack was dominant. Uh, Haha was great. Uh, Danny Trevathan had had an, a fantastic game. Um, you know, there's there's it's hard to 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 nitpick um, against the way the defense played. But you're right. I mean, it, it's it's frustrating to watch them sort of go into this, uh, you know, kind of pseudo prevent or this, you know, sort of cover three um look and then you know you see them get you know kind of picked apart a little bit um did that happen with the bears in 85 too the bears it's amazing i mean it literally happens with every team it happens with like every single team it seems like when they get the lead the defense you know whether they're tired or i don't know i mean you know it, there was some weird substitutions. Irving was in and Kwiatkowski was in. And I mean, I think they got tired. I mean, you know, uh, Pagano is still experimenting with the rotations in terms of the linebackers and the, and the defensive line. Um, you know, and, and Akeem Hicks talked about that on the, um, on his, you know, he does a weekly hit now on Waddle and Sylvie after the games. And he talked about that. Um, you know, Akeem Hicks had a knee problem. So, you know, he was surprisingly. Uh, Nick Williams played as many snaps as Akeem Hicks did yesterday or in that game. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I would like to see them tighten up a little bit on the pass defense. They're actually giving up 245 yards a game on on pass defense um, right now. And Fuller, even though he's making big plays, is actually his his completions against him percentage-wise, actually not that great right now. So, um, you know, they've got some opportunity, I think, to to play a little bit better. But what I think you're seeing is a little bit of, you know, kind of it should remind fans of the way that Levy Smith's defense played, which is that they keep everything in front of them, and they and they and they uh, that allows them to be really opportunistic um, you know, in these turnovers. Um, kind of have to that you know what you want you know if you're gonna play up and you're gonna play tight 
then you have the chance of uh, of getting beaten for big plays. Um, but if you keep everything in front of you, you know, uh, then that's when you can have the opportunity to make more uh, turnovers and interceptions by jumping routes and by using coverages that are disguised and things like that. So, I mean, it's a, you know, people are picking nits. I mean, as far as that goes. I mean, again, if if you're going to be frustrated about the defense in this game, I don't even know what game you watched, <laughs> you know, like, because well, like, like, you said, performance. like you said, uh, everybody's got their own agenda and anybody that's got a keyboard and a social media account thinks they can do better as a general manager or an offensive coordinator, or in this case, a defensive coordinator. Uh, right. You're absolutely right. And now the one thing that, that I will, Debate uh, what you had just talked about was mm-hmm. was Kyle Fuller, and if you take a look at at his completion percentages, how big of a difference is it between the first half of the game and the second half of the game? Because they're playing a softer zone and right. they're completing passes in front of Fuller mm-hmm. in the second half when they're playing soft with the lead. So right. That's that's, that's the one thing. That's the one thing that you know you can point and counterpoint all you want. Right. Bottom line is the Bears are two and one. Right. Uh, Trubisky had a good game. The the you know the rushing game didn't get off the bus running like we used to say back in the day. Uh, in fact, Montgomery had. Um, he only had like 60-some-odd yards on 18 carries, or 13 carries for 67 yards. Right. So, and most of those carries came in the fourth quarter. Right. Well, so, the offensive line still is not playing well. I mean, they really aren't. I mean, pass protection, they've been pretty good, but but they are not getting, they're not opening a lot of holes. The good part about Montgomery is he doesn't need a lot of holes, uh, thank goodness, because he, cause he's so patient and he finds things, but... I mean, other thing that I'll say about Mitch is that that I think is not even being given much credit to is that he played well on primetime under the lights, which he has not done. He got that monkey off his back a little bit, um, which, you know, because he's been bad in primetime games, you know, on the big stage. And I don't, you know, whatever the defense set him up, he had short fields. I don't care. He still made the plays. And that throw to Taylor Gabriel was one of his best throws as as a pro. So, I mean, you know, like, you know, they just everybody just wants to find reasons to not give this guy credit. It's like, you know, and and believe me, I'm as critical of him as anybody, you know, and I'm not a guy that's going to just blindly follow him because he's wearing our jersey. Uh, I think Sylvie on ESPN made a good point that imagine if if Trubisky's wearing a Lions jersey, what Bears fans would be saying about him. And I think he's right. You know, we would be very critical of him if he was you know, um, on a different team and a lot of, you know, the sort of, uh, fan fanboy attitude towards him comes from the fact that he's our quarterback. But as we've said many times on this show, he doesn't even have to do much. If all he does is play out his contract, let's say he plays out a five-year contract and puts up, you know, his stats that he put up last year, he'll be third all time in bears quarterback history. <laughs> like it, it's just so, you know, it does have to be viewed within the context of our team and our fan base as well. It's like, you know, fans want Mahomes, they want, you know, whatever, but 
it, you know, he's our guy. He's our guy right now. We got to root for him, and let's stop trying to find reasons to to pull, pick apart his, you know, when he does well. Great point. And we talked about this right before the show. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over some stats uh, with some quarterbacks, and uh, to kind of show the public, show our listeners uh, exactly where Trubisky is. Uh, so take a look at this. I'm, I'm not going to name the quarterbacks up front, but quarterback one, first year, finished eight and eight. At a 60.8 completion percentage, he had 17 touchdowns, which was a touchdown pass every 3.2% of his throws. He threw 16 interceptions for an interception percent of 3.0. In year two, 57% of his passes were completed, 11 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. So he threw a touchdown pass. Every 3.1% of his throws, he threw an interception 4.2%. That's quarterback number one. Quarterback number two, year one, 64.1% of his throws completed, 18 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. So he had a percentage of 3.8 on touchdowns, a percentage of 2.8 on interception. Year two, 60.9% completion, 19 touchdowns, 24 interceptions. So he threw an interception every 4.6% of his passes throw. Quarterback number three. 63.9%, 63.9%, 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Year two, he threw 62.1, 28 TDs, 14 touchdowns. Quarterback four, 59.4%, 7 TDs, 7 interceptions. Year two, 66.6%. 24 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Number four is Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky had the best percentage of in, six, in his second year at 66.6 of the, of the four quarterbacks. Quarterback number one, any guess? Um, I know we've been, I mean, I, it would be just a guess. I know what we've, what we've been looking at, what I've been looking at, you know, our comps between Breeze and, um, Favre and, uh, you know, things like that. So I would guess maybe Breeze. Yep. Yeah, it was Drew Breeze when he was playing for San Diego. Yeah. Quarterback two is Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. Quarterback number three, Tom Brady. Guys, so when you take a look at, at his progression from year one to year two, Year three, he's right now at 65% of his throws. Uh, Brady was at 62%. Uh, Brett Favre was at 62%. Uh, and Drew Brees was at 65%. So he's right there. He's, he's right there. Give him some time for crying out loud. I'm sick and tired of the negative narrative on Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and also it's not like, you know, it's not like Drew Brees didn't have any weapons when he was, I mean, he had LaDainian Tomlinson and Antonio Gates, you know. It's like, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, it, the, the, you see how the Bears fans show up at, 
visiting stadiums. You see how they're how active they are on Twitter. It's just easy money for people to poke the bears, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, we're a very passionate, reactionary fan base. I mean, nothing moves the needle in Las Vegas and sports betting like Bears fans. Um, period. I mean, why do you think they put out that that uh, that those odds early in the season for Mitch to be MVP? Because Vegas is trying to make money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, they they want the action. You know, so it's it's just you know this is what happens when the Bears are good and you know people are gonna you know and and I just I hope that fans can on the one side enjoy it but on the other side. You know, let's let's toughen up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like every time somebody criticizes Mitch, we don't have to, you know, freak out. And by the same token, you know, we don't every time he has a good game, we don't have to like canonize him, you know, and start uh, ordering statues of him to be built either. You know, let's just <laughs> let the season play out. You know, it's a week by week league. You know, it's really any team can beat any other team on any given Sunday, you know, except for maybe the Dolphins. Uh, so, you know, it's <laughs> it's it, you know, it's it's just it's a reactionary culture and everybody has the the mouthpiece and the ability to to put out their, um, you know, their their statements. Um, you know, I just hope and I hope that. And it is what it is, but I said this on the other show that I hope that the home crowd you know, against Minnesota is a little more patient than they were in the first game of the season. Um, you know, because I keep hearing that we were told that they were going to be better. We were told that the offense, it's like, who told you that? Nagy didn't tell you that. Pace said incremental growth. Nagy said 202. We like where Mitch is at. He's doing very well, you know, I mean, which is what he's supposed to say. Um, you know, you want a coach that's going to throw Mitch under the bus and and agree with, uh, you know, uh, the columnists that are criticizing his, his every throw at practice. I mean, no, you don't want that. So just chill out. <laughs> Enjoy the fact that we have a good quarterback who's capable of winning games. Uh, we have a defense that's must see television. I mean, you know, we have a, a player in Khalil Mack that is is one of the most exciting football players in the league uh, to watch. Uh, a guy that's getting shouted out by LeBron James on Twitter for for having games, you know, and for you know for doing the same, uh, you know, uh, celebration as him. I mean, it's an exciting time to be a Bears fan, and I think there's too many people that are like wringing their hands and just having knots in their stomachs and and not even enjoying the fact that, you know, we have a team that has a chance to win against any team in the league on any given Sunday. And, you know, let's, that's not something as a bears fan, you could say very often. Um, so, you know, I think we can just, let's not have a referendum on Mitch every single game and every single throw and every single uh, moment um, that's going on because, you know, you've gotten to the point where now the team is even, I mean, Nagy brought up those stats about breeze. It's like, that just doesn't need to be happening. You know, we don't need to be defending this kid, um, you know, to this level. I mean, does anybody think that Jared Goff is like this amazing quarterback? Not really, but the guy put up 4,000 yards, and that's the, the state of the league, and he's got a great defense, and he went to the Super Bowl. 
So there's no reason that that Mitch Trubisky can't do the same thing or be the same thing. You know, he can. I think Mitch Trubisky can absolutely be a more mobile Jared Goff. You know, I mean, and and it's just about limiting mistakes. And he doesn't have to be a game manager. You know, uh, a Brad, uh, you know, a, a Trent Dilfer type of player or or that kind of thing. But I mean, you know, if they could get the run game going a little more consistently. And I think Nagy admitted that that that's a that they have to improve, uh, and the offensive line has to improve. Um, you know, we'll get it going. Um, you know, people are freaking out about Mike Davis. Mike Davis played four offensive snaps, and people are freaking out as if they give him the ball every other. You know, it's like just chill. <laughs> like everybody well, just got to chill out. <laughs> he played four snaps. He got one one ball handed to him. Right, and people yeah. are freaking out that he's the new Taquan Mizell, and what's Nagy doing? And it's like, good lord, maybe, maybe, uh, uh, maybe somebody had to take a piss. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> Here's my last word on on Mitch Trubisky, um, and Les Wolfong from Windy City Gridiron put this out a couple of days ago. In his last four games last year. This is what Mitch Trubisky did. And he played Green Bay, he played Minnesota, and he played the Eagles in the playoffs. The only opponent that, if you want to say, was soft was San Francisco because they didn't have Garoppolo last year. But he threw the ball 126 times. He completed 89 of them for 70.6% completions. He had four touchdowns. He had no interceptions. That's a passer rating of over 102 last year against playoff teams, or at least playoff caliber teams. That's a QB rating of 102.8. That's the kind of guy we saw at the end of last year. Did he have some struggles? Yeah, he struggled in the first half of the playoff game, but he just, he damn near won the game for the Bears against Philadelphia. He damn near won the game uh, against against Green Bay, uh, you know, you, you take the one touchdown pass that Aaron Rodgers had that was a lob into the end zone that should have been batted down or intercepted by Bush versus the one that Adrian Amos did pick off when our, our receiver was interfered with that they didn't call. That's how close this was. That's how yep. close this, this season probably going to be all year, Aaron. It's yep. just going to be, that's what it is. The, mm-hmm. the, like you said so well, any team can beat any other team, except for if you're Miami. And take a look at who's undefeated this year. Buffalo is undefeated this year. Okay. The 49ers are undefeated this year. Do you think those guys are going to make the playoffs? They might. They might. But, you know, you've got other teams like, like the Bears and the Rams and the Vikings and the Saints that all have one loss already this year. So, you know, how many times do we have to say this year in and year out that there's at least, what, four teams in each conference that didn't make the playoffs the year before that make the playoffs every year? Yep. There's, a, there's a big turnover every year unless you're the, unless you're the Patriots. Patriots have won their division 10 straight years and 15 out of their last 16. Would we love to be the Patriots as Bears fans? You're damn right we are. Well, but we play in the best division in football now. Like, 
The Patriots never play in the best division in football. The Patriots have eight wins for free every year. So well, at least at least <laughs> at least at least six. You know, yeah. With Miami, the right, Jets, and six. Buffalo. But yeah. Buffalo, hey, you know, Buffalo plays them tough, and they're in mm-hmm. Buffalo, so it's yeah. gonna be yeah, it's we'll gonna see. be a it's gonna be a fun game to watch. Yeah. Uh, come Sunday, and I'm glad it's a noon game, and the Bears game is on. At uh, 3:30, so we right. can we can get a chance to see both games if you're mm-hmm. watching from home. Yeah. So that's uh that's our rant on on Mitch Trubisky. We uh, we enjoyed the game. Uh, it was nice to to sit back at halftime and and in just savor a 28 to three lead uh, going into the first half. If you're gonna complain about something, the the stagnant offense in the third quarter the soft defense in the second half, but all in all, 15-point win. You don't yeah. see many double-digit wins, at least not what that the Bears fans have seen in a long time. Right. Um, so let's just hope that this is a stepping stone to better things starting this Sunday with Minnesota. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsor, TickSplits.com. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who is it? Well, TixBlitz.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TixBlitz.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TixBlitz.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TixBlitz.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TixBlitz.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for the continued partnership and sponsorship of TixBlitz. Uh, you can go to TixBlitz.com, find any tickets you need, and the price you see is the price you pay. Uh, you can also use the promo code TAILGATE, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, all caps, and that will get you 5% off your order. Uh, TixBlitz also does donate a percent portion of the proceeds uh, to various charities uh, as well. So you can feel good about your purchase uh, that way. Um, and I believe there are uh, lots of tickets still available uh, for the game uh, upcoming um, on, on Tick Splits and on some other sites. Uh, but we don't want you to go to those other sites, of course. Uh, but you might want to go and compare how you're going to get ripped off with the uh, fees uh, and then come back to Tick Splits uh, and and. Get it done the right way. So uh, welcome back, sir. How are we? Hey, it's great to be back. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to talk a lot about the Vikings coming from now for the, the second half of our show. Not only are we going to talk about uh, this game this Sunday, it's a huge game. It's a divisional game. It's a conference game. It's a game, quite frankly, that can make a big difference in the standings come around 6.30 on Sunday, and it's, it's easy to explain. If tonight's game, Green Bay plays Philadelphia at home, and if the Philadelphia Eagles beat Green Bay, they'll be 3-1. and one. Detroit has to play Kansas City, even though you know they're 2-0-1 oh, and, and in second place in the division, which is kind of surprising to everybody especially after their their victory last Sunday on the road at Philadelphia. That was nobody saw that coming, but they you know, we talk about this all the time. A couple of bounces the bat the wrong way, the, the ball doesn't go your way, a couple of calls don't go your way, and all of a sudden 
you know, you lost the game you expected to win, and that's exactly what the Eagles thought. They have to play Kansas City there at home, but, you know, that's no, I don't care whenever you're playing and wherever you're playing Kansas City, that's going to be a tough game. So Sunday afternoon at 325, when the Bears and, and Vikings kick off, whoever wins that game goes from a tie from for last to a tie for first. That's how important that game is if the other two games pan out with losses for both Green Bay and Detroit. If Green Bay wins or if Detroit wins and the Bears lose, now Detroit's 3-0-1 and we're 2-2. Green Bay would be 4-0, we're 2-2. We're two and a half games behind Green Bay after four weeks. Not a great place to be in. So this, you know, Everybody wants to say it's a must win, and I agree with them. It's not the end of the world because look at last year, the Bears finished, uh, they finished winning with nine out of their last 10 games after starting three and three. So it's not the end of the world, but it does put them behind a huge eight ball if they fail to win this game. So it's important. What do you think? What are your thoughts, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely important. You want to protect Soldier Field. Um, you know, uh, Mike Zimmer made some comment that the, the Bears have lost their two ga- last two games at Soldier Field. That's correct. Somebody had asked him about, you know, it being a tough place to play. Um, yeah, the Bears lost against the Eagles, and they just lost against the Packers. You know, you got to win home games. I mean, Nagy um, talked about how important that was. Um, you know, so hopefully the, the crowd is loud and uh, supporting and – uh, you know, you you don't want to lose home games against division opponents because, you know, we've got games against uh, the Vikings and the Packers left on the schedule, and they're at Lambeau and at uh, Minnesota. So, um, you know, it's very important. I mean, am I going to panic if we're 2-2? Two and two? No, but 3-2 and two going into a game against the Raiders that, you know, you, you feel very good about um, winning that game and then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're sorry, you're three and one, and then all of a sudden you could be four and one. Um, I mean, that's just such a better place to be at the end of the day. I mean, what you said about the standings is 100% on point. You know, you don't want to be building a deficit um, in your division. Uh, this seems like a division that could end up having two or maybe more playoff teams in it um, as it's going, but, you know, at the end of the day, you wanna you wanna play well against your division and you wanna play well at home. Um, and the the, Vi- the Bears played the Vikings very well last year, obviously. And um, I think that uh, you know I think we're we should have a good showing against them. Um, uh, you know it, it's a uh, it, it's a great opportunity. Uh, you got the number one uh, broadcast team of Nance and Romo on it. So it's not a primetime game, but it's as close as you get uh, because, you know, I think there's only four games in the late slot. So it's it's a, it's a primetime game in that sense. Yeah, it's going to be shown to the majority of the country in mm-hmm. just regional coverage for the other games that are slotted in that time. Right. Uh, the, Bears, the Bears swept the Vikings last year, mm-hmm. and that was, that was a huge part of their success. They split the year before, and the Vikings swept them in 2016 so it's huge this is the 116th game in the rivalry 
Uh, and Minnesota holds the edge, 60-53, to 53, with two ties. Ironically, the two ties happened in the first 14 games of the rivalry back in the 60s. Uh, yeah, the, Bears, uh, the Bears got humiliated by, you know, George Hallis's Bears got humiliated by the Vikings. They played opening day of the 1961 season. It was Minnesota's first game. Minnesota, believe it or not, actually was slated to be an American Football League team. And they were so close to becoming one of the first 10 AFL teams. And the NFL stepped in and said, hey, we'd like you to be, we're going to have a couple of teams come on board. And, and Minnesota and Dallas were expansion teams for the 61 year. And they got humiliated in Minnesota, 37 to 13, uh, the very first game of the rivalry. The Bears, in uh, Hallis didn't let his team forget it, and they put up 52 points in December in the rematch at Wrigley Field. The Bears went on to win 11 of the first 15 games. They were 11-3 and two, but uh, in 19, after 1968, Minnesota really dominated the series, and that's when. You know, we have some absolutely horrific teams with Jim Dooley and Abe Gibran, uh, and it was just absolutely terrible. You can actually go back and look, and in 19, I'll find it here, 1972, they split in 71, they split in 72, the the Vikings won uh, from 1969, they, they swept in 69, they swept in 70, they swept in in 73, they swept in 74, they swept in 75. So that's when the table really started to turn. The, the table, of course, turned back in the 80s when the Bears were the, the, the you know, cream of the crop. Uh, and then in, back in the, in the 90s, we took another swoon. But since, you know, the, since 2011, it's been pretty much been an even split. So uh, it's a great rivalry. It's, you know, obviously, since they have only been in the league since 1961, they haven't played anywhere near the amount of games that they played against the Vikings or the, the, the Lions in, in Green Bay. Uh, but it's still a hell of a rivalry. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's funny because, uh, obviously, Packers fans and Bears fans go at it. Lions fans and Bears fans go at it. Vikings fans and Bears fans are kind of, I think they agree on hating the Packers so much that there's a little <laughs> bit of a, <laughs> there's a little bit of like a, a, a simpatico vibe to it. I mean, I've never, like, I don't like the Vikings, but I don't hate them in the way that I hate the Packers and the Lions. You know, if that makes any sense, like, uh, you know, I, I, I have fond memories of Dante Culpepper and Randy Moss and Chris Carter and, Irv, you know, uh, uh, John Randall and, you know, some of these uh, great Vikings uh, players, um, you know, uh, of the past. And and I mean, and honestly, they haven't really won very much. So there's not a lot to be upset about <laughs> you know what i mean um mm-hmm. so exactly you know i mean they really you know they haven't uh they haven't really done anything to the bears that that you know make us feel like oh you know well they always kill us you know the way the packers have so you know it's it's interesting i mean i think and they also have good fans i mean it's kind of hard to be mad at minnesotans in general they're not 
they're pretty nice people. So, you know, it's, um, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of uh, venom in my heart for, for the Vikings, but obviously we do want to beat them. Um, you know, and, and going into this game, I just think it's funny that, you know, everybody's like, Oh, they're running the ball so well. Well, they're not passing it. Well, Kirk cousins is off to a, a pretty terrible start. I mean, he had a good game last game, but his second game was, was absolutely brutal. Uh, and they probably should have beaten the Packers and he really screwed that up for them. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, a lot of teams are doing a lot of great things until they come and play the bears. So we'll see what happens. You know, I mean, I remember when we were told that the Rams were the greatest thing uh, that had ever happened to football and were the, were the, you know, the number one offense in football. And then what happened since they played the bears, the Rams haven't, haven't really been good at offense, um, <laughs> you know, last year. So, you know, uh, everybody's real high on Dalvin Cook and their supposed, uh, you know, revamped offensive line and, and, and so forth. Uh, obviously, they have Thielen and Diggs. You know, they've got weapons. Their defense is solid. But, uh, you know, but they got to do it against our defense. So we'll see what happens. I, I feel pretty good about our opportunity to stop their run game. I think you're going to see – Cousins tests the Bears defense with some some throws downfield. Yeah. We really haven't seen that except for the one pass play to uh, in in Green Bay on their one touchdown drive. Right. We really haven't seen a lot of that. Uh, and the reason you haven't seen it is because the Bears rush the the pocket so well. Aaron Rodgers got out of the pocket, and that's what created time for him to throw the ball downfield. Right. Obviously, the Bears have to stop Cook. You know, he's the second-ranked rusher in the league, or at least he's the Minnesota's the second-ranked rushing team in the league. Mm-hmm. The Bears are fifth against the rush uh, so far early on. So that's obviously the big focus. I think, I think that one of the biggest keys to this game is for the Bears to mimic what Green Bay did in Week 2. They have to start fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they haven't started fast in any of their three games. They kind of got started, and then they took a big hiccup on their first drive last Monday. But I think that's a that's going to be a huge key. Obviously, getting Minnesota, and this is a key in the second half. If you can make Minnesota one-dimensional because you're up by two or three scores, that's going to bode really really well for the Bears' defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, if they do get up by two or three scores and they play soft, you might give you might give Cousins some momentum that all of a sudden he's unstoppable like he was in week two against Green Bay last year when they were down by 20-some-odd points and they came from behind to force a tie. Should have won the game if it weren't for some uh, bad field goal kicking by their kicker who ended up getting cut the very next day. Uh, injuries are a concern. If you took a look at the injury report, there was a ton of bears on that report, but it didn't look like much of it was was serious. Uh, of course, uh, Gabriel didn't participate. Uh, Leno didn't. Massey didn't participate. I didn't expect to see Hicks participate. Trey Burton was limited still, and he'll probably be limited with that groin for a while until he's absolutely 100%. The biggest concern, obviously, is the concussion protocol that Gabriel is in. And if he misses that game, that takes out a huge piece of the offense that that has been – when Trubisky's on, 
Gabriel has been the man that has played well as a compliment to to Allen Robinson. So that's that's a huge part of the offense, I think, going forward. So I hope to see that he passes and clears concussion protocol and, and is on the field for Sunday. Yeah, um, uh, Hicks is a concern, too, um, in stopping the run game. I think it's just a maintenance thing with with him a, a veteran kind of a issue that he has and hopefully he's okay i i think you you probably might see him for a few less snaps um nick williams has been playing very well and rory robertson harris although he didn't really flash much played pretty well so um uh, you know it's but you know with Bilal being out that's definitely a concern um in terms of the run game, uh, Leonard Floyd's continued to play well and actually has been playing the run very well. So, um, you know, I, I feel good about, you know, their ability to stop the run, even if Hicks is limited. Uh, I hope Hicks does not sit out, obviously, because he's a huge part of what they do. Um, the other thing I think you mentioned with Gabriel, which, you know, if he doesn't play, that's huge. Uh, one positive that, that I don't know if we mentioned um earlier about the game was that uh, Miller was on the field a whole lot more. He, he was, I think, on the field for almost half of the offensive snaps. Um, part of that was them simplifying the personnel groupings. But uh, he got one catch. Um, but I think, you know, him getting more involved is is would be big for, for them. Um, so, I'm, you know, if, if Gabriel is out, I feel pretty good about the depth. Um, you know, I'd like to see more opportunities for whims, you know, because I think these big targets and I thought that was kind of why we got Riley Ridley was, you know, for a guy who runs routes and has good hands and is a little bit taller, because um, I think that that is a, an area where Mitch struggles sometimes is to, is to drop it in uh, in some of these zone throws to these shorter receivers. You know, the, he you know, he only had six incompletions against the Redskins, but the ones I remember, it was a ball that was over. Cohen's head. It was a ball that was over Montgomery's head, and it was a ball that was over Gabriel's head. So, you know, those were drive-killing, uh, you know, uh, issues a few of those times. And so, I'd like to see some of these taller receivers get a, you know, and you saw Wims get a little bit of action. Um, so, you know, if Gabriel doesn't play, it's obviously not good. But I feel pretty good about the depth. Um, and then I had seen that I thought Trey Burton was a full participant. Um, so maybe there was another practice, but uh, he's, he seemed to be very active. Um, although the tight end group as a whole, and we talked about this on, on the tailgate show is still very disappointing. Um, Shaheen had one catch and then I thought, Oh God, here we go again. He's injured. Cause he looked like days. And I thought maybe he got a concussion. Um, he looked absolutely horrible on some blocking uh, plays um, Bronicker's basically not on the field. You know, I just I, I feel like the tight end. We need the tight ends to step up. So Burton being healthy is absolutely huge. Um, you know, and then they talked about um, this week uh, how important he is in the huddle. You know, as a veteran and um, you know and, and a guy that played quarterback in college a little bit high school. So. I, I just hope he's healthy because he's – I think, you know, as we go along here, he's going to become a bigger and bigger part of this offense, or at least he should. He should. You're absolutely right. Another guy that hasn't you – know, let's face it, Cohen has been pretty much non-existent in our offense the entire first three games. 
Cordero Patterson, aside from his 40-yard run against Denver, has been non-existent in the first three games. You know, both of those yeah. guys had one catch. Uh, Burton had four catches for 20 yards. Shaheen had one catch for seven yards. Uh, Wims only had one target. He caught that only pass that he had for eight yards. Cordero Patterson, one catch for six yards. So we're not using uh, a lot of these tools that we heard so much about. You know, the you know how giddy was was Coach Nagy, and I'm not picking on Coach Nagy. Please don't get me wrong, folks. Uh, but we were we were led to believe that he couldn't wait to design all these plays for Cordero Patterson. And aside from the 45-yard run against Denver, we haven't seen much of him at all so far. So th- I think that's your key. If if Gabriel is out this Sunday, uh, I think you're going to see the the wealth spread around to those guys, to to Cohen, to Patterson, and to Burton. And uh, more power to them because they haven't shown anything so far. I I can't believe that we're sitting here after week three and we haven't seen one explosive play from Tariq Cohen yet so far. Yeah. We haven't, you know, that we haven't seen, we had, we saw one explosive play from Cordero Patterson so far. Cohen's been disappointing. I mean, I, there's no way to, to spin it. Cohen's been disappointing. I mean, I, I honestly think, I don't know what it is. He just, I don't know. He's just not getting in the flow of the offense. I mean, they tried him as a slot receiver in the first game. And then, I mean, the second game, there really wasn't much offense to, for anybody. So, and in this game, you know, he got some carries. And unfortunately, you know, he does that stupid sideline magnet thing uh, a lot of the time where he, you know, or or he, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I hope that he isn't reading his own clippings and believing that, you know, he made the Pro Bowl, so he arrived, Um you know, but there's a little bit of a sense of that. I mean, you know, he shows up to camp in that stupid motorcycle car thing. And, you know, just just recently, he's, you know, his first thought is to go on Instagram live and, you know, show Kyle Long's naked body to everybody by accident like he did. I mean, you know, he, he's a goofball um, and he's ex- extremely talented. But I hope he, you know, I hope he, you know, reins it in a little bit and realizes that, you know, uh, this is the the NFL not for long if you don't keep it going. Um, if he thinks he's going to get some big second contract playing like this, uh, no, sir. We we got Kareth White waiting right behind him. And, the, you know, Pace can find running backs in the fourth through sixth rounds like nobody's business. I'm going to defend Cohen on one thing. I have one of those motorcycle gadgets. Oh, <laughs> they're, they're, called, they're called a Polaris slingshot, and they're just a hell of a lot of fun to drive. Right. But uh, but that said, you know, the good news is we're 2-1-1, and, and we haven't seen anything from Cohen. We haven't right. seen anything from right. Patterson. That's the flip side and, of it. So, so we got to kind of take a look at both sides. So, mm-hmm. you know, this, this is, uh, is going to be a tough contest. Uh, I hope that the Bears uh, are victorious. I'd love to see that progression that we saw from week two to week three and from week three into week four. And uh, it could be, could be a fun game. You know, the bears have, uh, they've won two straight against the Vikings and cemented their uh, position as the team to beat in the NFC North. 
uh, and they need to they need this win to get that swagger back because to be two and two and zero and two in their division, it's a tough way to come back. Mm-hmm. They have Oakland next week in London. They have a bye week, and then they've got some tough games going forward. They have to play the Saints at home. They have to play the Chargers at home. And then they have to go to Philadelphia before they get Detroit back in Chicago. So, you know, the good news is three of their next four games after the buyer at home. But the bad news is they're all against tough opponents. You know, and and look at what the Saints did without Breeze last week. You know, Mm -hmm. they they absolutely controlled that game. So Mm -hmm. controlling the line of scrimmage, controlling time of possession, getting a, you know, a two score lead is important to, to in this game uh, against the Vikings going forward. Every every week we talk about history and there's a, there's a couple of things that that uh, you know is historical contents that we want to talk about. We we touched base briefly on the Bears rivalry and I want to go back to two games uh, in their their rivalry. One I'm sure that if you're if you're older than 40, you remember, uh, and that was the game week three. It was also on a Thursday evening, and uh, they played Minnesota up in Minnesota, the Roller Dome, as Ditka liked to call it, and uh, they didn't start out so great. They, in fact, they actually struggled in that game, and they were they were losing uh, in the third quarter. Uh, this is a game that, that Jim McMahon started on the bench, and uh, you know he had, he had I can't remember if it was his shoulder or if it was uh, something a pinched nerve or something, but I can't remember it. But anyway, he kept on knocking on on Ditka to get him into the game, and the the, the Bears finally they fell behind 17 to six, and they put. Jim McMahon back in the game and probably the most memorable, one of the most memorable memorable plays in the entire year was his very first play from scrimmage. The Bears had a screen pass call and as Jim McMahon took the snap from under center, the Vikings blitzed, which just threw that play into, you know, it, it, it was, the play was ruined. But Walter Payton read the blitz. He came rushing past, almost knocked McMahon down. McMahon was stumbling as he was fading back, trying to get away from the linebacker who was blitzing. And Payton just stood him up. McMahon righted himself, and he found Willie Galt downfield. And 70 yards later, the Bears went from, from a 17 to uh, not, it was 17 to nine when he came in. I apologize. And it was seven, all of a sudden it was 17 to 16. And before the third quarter was over, the Bears went from losing 17 to nine to actually having a 30 to 17 lead. They went on to win that game. Uh, Anthony Carter caught a 57 yard touchdown pass from Tommy Kramer in, in the fourth quarter. The Bears finished it off with a Kevin Butler field goal and they ended up winning 33 to 24. Uh, that made the Bears 3-0 uh, in the season, and they easily could have been 1-2 after the first two weeks because they struggled against Tampa in week one. They dominated New England in week two, and then in week three, they started really 
sluggishly against the Vikings, but you know the McMahon came in, and you know the rest is history, as they say. So uh, I don't know if you were around or just born or whatever, but I'm sure you have seen film of that game, Aaron. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun to watch, especially that second half. Yeah, uh, I, I was around, but I was not uh, I was not watching football much. I was born in uh, 77, so I was around, but um, wasn't watching that much football at that time. The, the second game, this goes way back, and, and this is a game I was uh, I was 11 years old, but I was there. I was at Wrigley Field. The Bears played Minnesota Vikings. Bud Brandt was their coach. Uh, Gene Washington was one of their receivers. Joe Cap was their quarterback. Uh, Freddie Cox was their field goal kicker. And uh, there was a lot of hype to this game. The Bears uh, actually swept Minnesota in 1968. Vikings ended up winning the division because on the last weekend of the year, Green Bay uh, came into town. They played at uh, Wrigley Field and the Bears lost 28 to 27. Had the Bears won that game, they would have been tied with the Vikings for the division lead and would have ended up going to the playoffs. And I believe that was the that was the year that uh, Minnesota ended up playing in the NFC NFL Championship game. And if memory serves, uh, they lost to the Baltimore Colts, who went on to get defeated by the New York Jets in Super Bowl III. Uh, this was, this, and this is funny how, as a kid, you can remember things. My dad uh, was a, he worked for the, the Chicago Tribune uh, it, until he died in 1972. And he somehow got a hold Friday evening, he came home from work, and he actually had a copy of that week's program. Uh, and they used, to, you know, they used to sell programs that were really nice programs with a lot of content, a lot of pictures, unlike the crap that they have at games today. Uh, and Cox was on the cover of, I think it was called Game Day, if I remember correctly. And he came to me, he pointed to the picture, and he said, you know, you just put a Bears jersey on this, and that's going to be the difference in the ballgame. And I remember that to this day. Uh, the Bears were uh, actually ahead 23-17 to 17 after a 21-yard field goal by Mac Percival. Uh, but Gene Washington caught a 25-yard pass from Joe Cap uh, deep into the fourth quarter to take a 24-23 to 23 lead. And Virgil Carter was the Bears' quarterback in 1968, or at least part of the games in 1968. And he led a, a last-minute comeback, and with just a few seconds left on the clock, Mac Percival kicked a 47-yard field goal that won that game 26-24. to And I remember it like it was yesterday because uh, we used to have seats behind the Bears bench at about the 20-yard line closest to the south end zone. And we had started to make our way down to where we would take the, the red line, what is now called the, the, the red line. So we were actually standing right behind the south goalpost when that kick went through the uprights. And I leaped into my dad's arms. And, and uh, it was just a, 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 lot of, a lot of fun uh, to be a part of. So uh, 
you know, there's just so many great games in, in Bears history, but I, I had to share those two because uh, uh, they meant a lot to me personally. So yeah. um, the second part of our history segment, the Bears are going to be wearing their throwback jerseys this week. One of two times they're going to be wearing these jerseys that kind of pay homage to the 1934 uh, era. Um, and there's some significance that was brought to light by a Windy City gridiron writer who I hold in very high regard. Uh, back in August, uh, after doing some research, uh, Windy City gridiron author, uh, a writer, Jack Silverstein, penned an article, posted it back on August 28th. Uh, there's a little bit of hidden history in the NFL that's got a little bit of a of a tainted side to it, if you will. Uh, for several years, starting in the 30s, uh, men of color weren't playing in the league, and they were pretty dominant early on in, in the league. And uh, you know, Jack Silverstein went to point this out in his article, and uh, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of history to it. I urge everybody, if you haven't read the article, go read it because there's a lot of history in that article. Um, long story short, I don't think the Bears uh, were cognizant of what was happening when they decided to pick this particular jersey for their throwback this year. Uh, Got to tell you, it's a sharp-looking jersey. I've got three of them, uh, and I absolutely love the look. Uh, they had a long talk. You know, a couple just, just recently – uh, George McCassie spoke in front of the entire team and talked about that era and that time. And this jersey, what it symbolizes now to give men of all color the opportunity to wear this jersey, uh, the, uh, the social committee of the Bears, led by, by McCaskey and by Trevathan and Trey Burton, Chase Daniel, and Mitch Trubisky all spoke about this, and there, there's a video on their their website on ChicagoBears.com, and it's been posted on social media. Uh, this is an important era that we have to remember. We can't, we don't want to embrace it, but we need to remember it because there is a time in this country when segregation was very real. Uh, you know, look at at Major League Baseball. Blacks were not allowed in Major League Baseball until that barrier was broken by, by Larry Doby and by Jackie Robinson. Uh, very rarely do you see men of color in the National Hockey League, even to this day. Uh, men of color played a significant role in the NFL early, and of course, it had, you know, some of the greatest players to ever wear a football jersey uh, are men of color. Uh, I am honored to see the Bears tackle this in, in a manner in which they did. And after the game, after the game, the Bears are going to be auctioning off some of these game-worn jerseys with the proceeds going to various social justice groups within the Chicago area. Uh, it's important. It's, it's historic. And I am, as a Bears fan, so proud of their recognizing the errors in the past and how they're making strides to move forward in the community with this effort. So 
hats off to the Bears. Hats off to to Jack for making this aware to everybody. Uh, even Jesse Jackson has gotten on the bandwagon with an article recently. Uh, I am honored to tell everybody that Jack Silverstein or Silverstein, I will have to get his proper pronunciation when I talk to him. He has agreed to be our guest on our next episode, and he's going to talk about this article. We he's uh, he's asked for 20 minutes. He can take as long as he wants. Uh, but I, we are both Aaron and I are absolutely honored that Jack has decided to join our show next week and how appropriate to have him on after the bears wear this Jersey and then donate, uh, some proceeds from the selling of this Jersey on the Chicago bears.com. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, it was a great article that, that he brought up, um, you know, it's very uh, apropos to bring it up, and I, I commend the Bears for handling this well. I think, uh, as we know, um, this has not always been the Bears' uh, strong suit handling things like this. So uh, it's it's nice to see um, that this team uh, it gets it a little bit more nowadays. Um, you know, in terms of getting out in front of it, and and you know, I mean, finding a good way to to spin this as a positive. Um, and I think with real genuine, um, sentiment and, uh, effectiveness as well. Um, <clears throat> will they do that? Uh, so it's nice to see, uh, I think, you know, 20 years ago, something like this would come up and I don't know if the bears would, would have handled it quite so well that they, they, they tended to be more, um, hard-headed back then so um kudos to to george and to the to the players that are involved in this um for you know sort of spinning this as a as something that can be positive um you know because you're right i they don't think they thought about it at all I, it, the bears don't have a lot of options in terms of jerseys i mean they've pretty much worn the the same basic jersey for their entire uh existence so when they were choosing throwbacks i mean you know they just they thought well these are cool <laughs> you know they'll probably sell um and i don't think they looked much further into it or really thought about you know um the so jack brought up a great point um and i don't think he did it in a in a way that uh was trying to vilify the bears or anything um uh and so it'll be exciting to talk to him and it's uh it's nice the way they've uh the way they've handled it um and so uh hopefully it uh, it brings about um more i mean i think they mentioned in that video that they raised over eight hundred thousand dollars for for social justice causes um, just this last year. So good for that. Absolutely. And I hope they raise twice that this year. So yeah. guys and ladies uh, that listen to our podcast, we thank you. We're nothing if it's not for you. This wraps up our episode this week of Halitech Hall. And uh, hopefully when we come back at you next week, we're talking about another Bears victory. Aaron, take us away. Uh, before we sign out, I, w I did want to mention um, I did actually have two uh, Bears-Vikings um, games that I wanted to, to, to talk about um, real quick, and it's nothing to get too involved in it, but two uh, games from the past that I think are, one was a loss um, was uh, December 1st, 2013. Uh, Josh McCown threw for 355 yards and two touchdowns, and Alshon Jeffrey set the single-season Bears receiving record with 249 yards and two touchdowns, including an 80-yard bomb. Um, 
and Devin Hester um, had some big returns. So uh, kind of a, an interesting moment in Bears history um, at that point. And then there was another game um, that I that I think is uh, worth mentioning, which was um, a Jay Cutler game uh, against where Jay Cutler outplayed Brett Favre. Um, and that was in 2009, um, and Jay Cutler had four touchdown passes, uh, including um, a game winner uh, in overtime to Aroma Shadu. Um, so um, interesting, uh, you know, a couple a couple games uh, in Bears history um, to highlight, uh, you know, uh, just the Bears Vikings history there real quick. Uh, but other than that, you know, another great episode. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Um, and uh, continue to uh, to spread the word. Uh, we're going to have more uh, giveaways. We're going to be giving away some tickets on the other show, the tailgate show. Uh, thanks to Tick Splits for that. And um, good week ahead. Uh, I think we have a, a great chance to win this game um this upcoming week and let's just keep uh, pulling for the bears and i want to see the home fans out there uh supporting and making a lot of noise and let's you know let's keep up our home field advantage uh and not uh, not not give up too easily uh so again thanks for listening everybody um and uh, all the support we definitely appreciate uh, all the uh, uh support and uh opportunity to do this that we have yeah. And last but not least, we talked. We just talked about Tick Splits. Don't forget, if you go to TickSplits.com, make sure you use promo code TAILGATE, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E. It's all in caps. It uh, doesn't matter whether you're buying sports or concerts or music festivals. Uh, that, that promo code will save you 5% on every single ticket that you see uh, at TickSplits.com. So thank you, TickSplits, for your support. We'll see you next week, everybody. Indeed, indeed. Thanks so much.